0: On Friday, December 14th, I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, State Auditor Shad White is releasing details on a rare internal review. We'll learn more. Then find out the latest in holiday scams and why officials are saying beware. And hear Mississippi parents talk about raising grandchildren and great-grandchildren and what issues they face. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State Auditor Shad White is following through on a promise made to review his own office. One of a few promises made upon his July appointment by Governor Phil Bryant White says his office is subject to an internal and external compliance audit. The public is now getting a look at the results of the agency review. White says the findings of both audits show no proof of misspending or misappropriation, but some improvements are needed. Auditor White tells MPB's Ashley Norwood it's the first examination of its kind in years.
1: 22 years ago, there had been an audit of the office by an outside CPA firm. So, in a way, yes, but it had been a very long time. Uh, when I came into office, you know we've we've had a, a a division inside our office called the Compliance Audit Division for some time now. They're experts on Mississippi law. They had never done uh, an audit of our own office. So the experts that we've had in our office, they've never done an audit of our own office, and that's one of the reasons why, when I came in, I wanted them to look at our agency. Just as they would any other agency, so that we would be held to the same standard that we hold other agencies to, and two so that we would know ways to improve what we were doing, so I asked our compliance audit division to come in and look at the the operations of our office, um, how we handle money, and to, to to issue findings if we were doing anything wrong. And I asked asked them to treat us just as they would treat any other agency. And I'm grateful for their work. They did an incredible job. And and now we've got a good report and a good set of findings on how we can make the office stronger.
2: Having experts in office to do an internal audit, do you you think that there's ever going to be a question about trustworthiness having um, experts inside the office do such an audit?
1: Well, we also partnered with... Uh, While this was going on, we also had a peer review, what's called a peer review, and that's where people from outside of our office come in and look at how we do business, so we had both of those things at the same time, Um, and we had this peer review team of of auditors from Virginia and Louisiana and the Midwest, all over the country, and they came in for a week and looked at our operations, and, and we also put the results of their audit on, on, online on our website, too. So I, I think there's, uh, there's not a lot of room uh, for folks to, to question how deep this look was. We, uh, we relied on folks outside of Mississippi. We relied on Mississippi law experts. We wanted to look at it from, from every possible angle.
2: So let's talk about those findings. Um, were they minor, major? What's going to need to happen to address the findings?
1: The general... The thrust of the findings is that they are all pretty minor. You know, sometimes we go and do a compliance audit where we find serious instances of misspending, misappropriation, failure to follow rules about how money should be spent. And when you look at the findings of this audit of our office as compared to other state agencies that um, that have struggled, these findings are pretty minor. Um, and so they they relate to things uh, like. Uh, making sure that we have got all the proper documentation when we use a procurement card. So, one of those credit cards that you use uh, to procure goods or services for the state government when we need to purchase things. Um, we also, you know, need to do a better job of making sure that all of our paperwork uh, around state owned vehicles uh, was submitted in a timely way. So, you know, you can tell just from listening to the nature of those two findings, for instance, that there's no example of misspending or misappropriation in there. It's just a need to stay perfectly on top of the documentation of how we're spending money.
2: So I know you mentioned that um, there was a peer review team that also um, came in and and looked at things. Will there be uh, an additional external audit or does that count as the external audit?
1: Right now, we don't have any plans to do a third audit. No, uh, <laughs> we've, so we've done the peer review and we've done the we've done the compliance review. Uh, I don't know what more we could learn from a, a third review. Uh, so, no, we don't have any plans to do any additional ones right now. Uh, the good thing is that when you look at the peer review of the outside auditors and you look at the compliance review. What you see is um, an office that I inherited that was strong before I even got here. But just like anywhere else in state government, you can always do things better. And so that's what, that's what this review was about. It was identifying ways we could do things better and, uh, and moving forward with a plan to, to fix those things. So as soon as we got the compliance audit, in, for instance, back, I tasked my senior staff, my deputy state auditor, with putting a plan together to remedy all the findings. And, and we've got we've now got a document, a draft document that says, okay, well now this person in this section of our office needs to take ownership over making sure the documentation around procurement cards is, is perfect. This person needs to take ownership of the documentation around state-owned vehicles and make sure that this finding is, is properly answered. So I feel good about both where we are in terms of the look that uh, that we've given this office and that the outside peer reviewers have given this office and about what we're doing to address the issues, too.
2: Shad White, Mississippi State Auditor, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: The 32-year-old Harvard Law
2: School graduate
0: was appointed to replace Stacy Pickering, who left the agency to run the state's Veterans Affairs Board. White says next on his list is to work with legislators this session to develop laws that create more accountability for state agencies. Coming up, why consumer protection officials are saying buyers beware this holiday season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the
3: Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. This is Mississippi
0: Edition on MPB Think Radio. Officials are warning Mississippians to watch out for scams this season. Holiday scam artists are using fake websites, fraudulent calls, and requests for gift cards to con people out of money. John O'Hara is CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Mississippi. He says a fake website looking real to people who clicked on a Facebook ad selling quilts from a company called. E. Crafta in Wesson. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier their phones are ringing off the hook from people across the country.
4: We are getting a lot of phone calls from people, uh, you know, uh, checking on businesses. Uh, uh, They're getting calls from scammers trying to get money from them. So we're getting uh, we've been very busy this time of year.
5: What are the scams that folks need to watch out for during this holiday season?
4: Well, a big one that we're currently working on is an online uh, scam where people uh, think they're buying quilts from a company uh, for Christmas gifts, and the company does not exist. We're actually showing – we're getting calls from people throughout the United States uh, looking for a company that uh, they believe is in Wesson, and it is not there. There is no company there and uh they have ordered these quilts for Christmas gifts and they have uh they have not received them and they can't get in touch with the with the uh company so that's been a big uh we, right now we currently have 25 victims that have lost money on that and we also have uh some victims from Mississippi that are caught in the same scam about a quilt saying it's in Tacoma, Washington so uh these are facebook Uh, kind of messages that people get, pop up advertising. uh, So people click on it, think it's a great deal. And uh, they, you know, go to the website, they order stuff, and it's a fake website.
5: So Facebook isn't responsible for making sure that their ads are legitimate?
4: Uh, No, anybody who buys an ad, uh, you know, can put space on Facebook. They can't uh, you know they don't vet to make sure that the company is, is real or not. The, these companies do have websites. Uh, they also uh, buy advertising on other social media platforms. And then, uh, unfortunately, what you also get is people who share. They think they bought a great item, and before they get it, they share it with their friends, and so then their friends go out there and start buying. So that's what people need to be uh, wary of is, are these companies legit that they're buying online?
5: How much money are we talking about for a quilt?
4: Uh, Like $48 to about $67 was the highest I saw. They were really supposedly handmade quilts that were uh, a a really good deal. And people were selling them and they were buying them as gifts. And uh, at the same time, we were having the problem here in Mississippi. There was a Uh, BBB and and Chicago was getting complaints about one in their territory and one in uh, Tacoma, Washington. So the one thing about the BBB is we're all linked into these systems. So when we start to see a scam like this, we share that information. And the next thing you know, we had enough information to contact the Federal Trade Commission to show them that uh, we believe it's the same person just setting up Different names of, uh, of, of of companies and using the same scam.
5: Are these type of scams hard to catch um, the culprits of?
4: Yes, because most of these are out of state, most uh, out of the country. I'm sorry, most of these will be from out of the country. These are websites that were registered uh, not here in the U.S., and uh, it is hard. And also, it's hard for people to get their money back because they're asking as form of payment instead of a credit card, they are asking for uh, you to buy a, a gift card and to uh, apply that information to that site. So once that money is off that gift card, then it's almost near impossible to return that money.
5: So what are you telling people to do uh, in terms of how they pay for items online?
4: First of all, First of all, anybody who does any online shopping for anything should be paying with a credit card over a debit card. Uh, the reason why is because if you happen to hit a fraudulent site, you have now given the information that is linked to your banking account, and uh, you know if these people who are committing fraud will not just get the money for the item you pay, but have access to your bank account. If you use a credit card and you don't get the item, you can contest it with your credit card company, and, uh, and uh, they can contact the company to see where the item is, and, and you're protected through uh, using a credit card more than you are a debit card. So don't ever go out and buy uh, credit cards, uh, I mean, gift cards to, to pay for stuff. Uh, we just had uh, a gentleman here in Mississippi who, who bought $1,000 worth of gift cards to put down on a car that was listed on eBay, well, uh, eBay specifically states uh, not to use that form of payment, wire transfer or uh, gift cards as payment when you're listing that. Uh, so that person is out a thousand dollars because the money is gone, and of course, there is no car to be sold.
5: What are some other scams? Uh, you mentioned gift cards.
4: You know, there's certain things. We, you know, we, we tell people be careful when you're picking a gift card up especially at a grocery store or department store that that the gift cards are laying out there. What people do sometimes is they take pictures of the gift cards if they're out loose and then they pull the number off the back and then they just kind of close it back up. So they wait for you to buy that gift card and they keep checking the balance on it until there is a balance on it, knowing that at this time of year a lot of people buy gift cards so they uh, just take pictures of, of cards, put them back on the shelf. People buy these cards. They get activated. Uh, the scammer finds out that there's money on that card, and they start buying, you know, spending the money on the card before uh, the person you give it to does because usually there's a lag in time between buying the gift card and someone using the gift card.
5: Jan O'Hara with the Better Business Bureau of Mississippi, thank you so very much for your information. Thank you. This
0: holiday season, con artists are looking for ways to beat people out of their money. Bridget Wiggins is director of the Consumer Protection Division of the Mississippi Attorney General's Office. She tells our Desiree Frazier she's getting complaints ahead of the tax season.
3: Because it's the holiday season and also because we're approaching the tax season, uh, we are starting to get an increase in the calls regarding the the IRS scams. And uh, this is the scam whereby a consumer is called text or emailed um, by a scammer, and and it advises the the consumer that they owe some type of tax bill and that they need to pay it immediately or else they will be arrested. Uh, We try to remind consumers that uh, uh, the IRS will never contact a consumer in this manner to collect a tax bill. So if you receive this type of call, just immediately hang up. Or if you receive it in the form of a text or an email, just completely ignore it. Um, And if you have any question or concern about it, don't hesitate to contact our office. But most of the time they ask for these payments in the form of some type of gift card, an iTunes card, a Walmart gift card. And so what we tell consumers is that should be an immediate red flag uh, when they ask you to make some type of tax payment by some type of gift card.
5: Is there anything else that people need to be aware about there?
3: Yes, um, we are uh, also, um, for some reason, seeing an increase in calls regarding um, Social Security number scams. Um, We have noticed that um, consumers are being called more frequently now uh, by someone are a group of people claiming to be from the Social Security Administration and advising the consumers that they may be in jeopardy of losing their benefits for some reason or another. And again, it's similar to the IRS scam. So we tell consumers uh, first of all, the Social Security Administration will not contact consumers in this form, in this, in this type of format. So if you have any questions or concerns regarding your benefits, hang up the phone and contact the Social Security Administrator directly at the regular number that you are accustomed to communicating with them with. Even if the scammer gives you a telephone number to call, don't use that number. Use the phone number that you are accustomed to using to contact the Social Security Administration.
5: Are there any other things that folks need to be aware of? Well, we try to remind consumers as they're shopping, be self-aware. Always park in a
3: well-lit area and if you have your purchases with you, don't leave them out in in your car, try to place them in the trunk. We also tell our consumers, even though you're busy, you're shopping, you're trying to get everyone covered on your Christmas list. Keep up with your purchases by checking your credit card and bank statements throughout the shopping season. That way if you if you have an, an unauthorized purchase, or don't recognize a charge, you can handle it uh, immediately. Sometimes uh, your creditors and the banks have time limits in which you can dispute a credit or charge. So uh, it's always better to try to catch that as soon as you can. So just being more aware uh, is, is what we ask consumers to help protect themselves.
5: Bridget Wiggins with the Attorney General's Office, great information and thank you. Thank you so
3: much. We always welcome the opportunity to educate our consumers.
5: Coming up, hear Mississippi parents talk about raising grandchildren
0: and great-grandchildren and what issues they face. This is Mississippi Edition
3: on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. This is Mississippi
0: Edition on MPB Think Radio. More than 95,000 children in Mississippi under the age of 18 are living with grandparents, according to the national nonprofit organization Generations United. MPB's Desiree Frazier takes a look at the trend and the impact on those who take on the responsibility. He didn't want her. He just didn't want to give up.
5: His rights to her. That's right. 59-year-old Kathy Little is talking about her granddaughter's biological father. She says her daughter, who is clean now, was on drugs in college. Little and her husband have raised their granddaughter, who's 19 now, since she was born. She says they wanted custody but couldn't afford to pay an attorney to sue the father in court.
0: When you try to take them to the doctor, it's a headache because you're not their parent. And we do not have guardianship nor custody of her because the father would not grant either one.
5: Little says grandparents need guardianship to register kids for school. Her granddaughter was listed as homeless. Little is with parents here at the Pine Belt Association for Families in Petal, Mississippi, where she works. The nonprofit holds support group meetings for parents raising grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They say they face a host of issues, including drama. 72-year-old Linda P. doesn't want her last name used. She had a violent encounter with her granddaughter, who she says is on drugs. Linda P. and her husband are raising their great-grandson, who is six years old.
2: She was cussing, and I slept. And when I did, she knocked me to the floor, and
1: she weighed like 300 pounds and stole oh me. I was banged up pretty bad.
5: 62-year-old Rose Myers says her son's ex-girlfriend, who is an alcoholic, came to church and kidnapped her two grandchildren, who are now 11 and 12. Her son is abusing drugs, and Myers has temporary guardianship.
0: Honey, I and my mama was on our knees. If it hadn't have been for God didn't got them kids back cuz they was going to Alabama with them. Were they the biological parents though? The mama. Yeah, you wouldn't have a leg to stand
5: on. No. These parents say the support group provides a space to talk about the challenges they face, like raising kids again, dealing with their own health issues, and resentment over their adult children's inability to parent their own kids. They love their grandchildren, but this isn't how they pictured their retirement years. Here, Kathy Little says they're not judged.
0: You now, some people look at you, well, what did you do wrong that your kids turned out this way? You know, that's not what it is. It's not anything that I did wrong or any other grandparent done wrong. It's just that's the circumstances you ended up in.
5: Sylvia Forster, executive director of the Pine Belt Association for Families, says mental health issues, illness, the death of a parent, or a prison sentence can leave grandparents raising grandchildren. She says they help connect them with resources like Medicaid and food stamps. They offer exercise classes, field trips, and help with school supplies. Forrester says they serve Forrest, Jones, Covington, and Smith counties. She says the biggest challenge for parents is...
0: Well, I think to be blunt, it's all about the money. You have children, but there's no extra support, so everything becomes a challenge. And this is coupled with a grandparent's own frail health or
5: chronic disease, age, 66-year-old Cecilia Gibson and her husband are raising their two grandchildren, ages 8 and 10. She says her daughter, who was on drugs, is clean now and working, but doesn't make enough to support her children. I have to work, you know, because of the fact that in order for us to have the things in our lives and for them to have what they need, then I have to work. So is retirement in sight at all? Not at this time, it's not. Aging parents taking care of young children, many on fixed incomes, is a growing trend nationwide, says Jaya Lent with Generations United. The nonprofit organization advocates for federal policies to help these parents, whom they call grandfamilies. Lynn says 7.8 million grandparents or relatives across racial and economic lines are raising a loved one's children. More than 95,000 Mississippi children live with grandparents.
2: The good news is that children really do better with relatives when they can't remain uh, with their
5: parents. Lent says the opioid epidemic is fueling the increase. Tanya Rahilia is Deputy Commissioner for Child Welfare for Mississippi. Of the 5,000 children in foster care, she says 37% are placed with relatives, including grandparents. The grandparents have to be licensed and trained as caregivers. Rahilia says they do receive payments for expenses. They receive the same foster board payment that a non-relative foster parent would receive and it ranges anywhere from around $600 for very small children up to about $980 for a child up to 18. But these grandparents don't want their loved ones in the foster care system. Some like Lily Mae Alford of Jackson hope the parent will change. The 67 year old and her husband raised their daughter's three children after she developed the disease lupus. Now the Alforts are raising one of their granddaughter's three children because of drug addiction.
2: I just ask God to give me the strength each day. Because sometimes I get angry. Don't get me wrong. I get angry sometimes. I'm like, God, why me? Why I got to do everything?
5: This year, Congress passed the Families First Act to reduce the number of children in foster care. The law cuts the number of children in group homes, provides substance abuse treatment, and in-home parenting training. It also includes a resource person to help parents who aren't in the foster care system access services. The catch is states have to help fund these efforts to receive federal dollars. Child Protection Services says Mississippi is looking for funding resources. Desiree Frazier, MPB News.
0: Hear the conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app, Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardner. Then at 10, it's Next Stop, Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.